Welcome back to Six Pennies Podcast. We have all six pennies here today. What's up, guys? What's yo, up? Yo. It is 2019. It is midway through January already, and it's time for an oldie but a goodie. It's time for some pocket change. You guys ready for this? Oldie but a goodie. I'm all ready. For our new listeners, uh, hopefully some of you guys out there found us because you're looking for dope new podcasts to listen to in 2019 or, or wanted to be more consistent this year. But pocket change is something that we started way back when. These pocket change questions are from way back, way back in 2018, but most of them are still relevant now. So we're just going to go through as many as we can and we're going to throw some change at them. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. First question today is from friend of the podcast, Stephen Wang, and he asks, best European player ever. I assume he's talking about basketball. Says, is it Dirk? What about Drazen, Vlade, Sabonis? I mean, I think the easy answer is Dirk, but what could have been with Jason? Is the question European or international? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. It said European. We'll, okay. we'll start with European and probably branch out a bit to international. But since I think I know what you're going to say, let's, let's go ahead and start with you, Albert. I think it's, I mean, it's really, really clear. Uh, 21, 21 years in the league, uh, longest tenured, you know, with one team in the history of the NBA. He's going to end up being a first ballot Hall of Famer. He'll probably end top 10 when it's all. I think he's already like number six in scoring, but I'm sure LeBron and KD will surpass him. Dirk Nowitzki, it has to be. Okay. Quick, quick aside, one of our biggest arguments or sports debates of all time was back in my oh, bachelor no, party <laughs> i just want to bring it up real quick uh, bring it see, up. If, see if anything has changed since then uh so this this was this got pretty emotional we didn't we didn't come to fists but uh there is definitely some alcohol involved and we're at a beach house in galveston debating the legacies of dirk Nowitzki and kevin garnett and i think Whoa. the specific question was which one had a bigger impact in the game. Uh, the overall question, of course, was who was better. Uh, I was on Team Garnett, Team KG back in the day, because I think that he had a bigger statement on the game, bigger impact on the game of basketball. But Timmy, which side were you on back then? It was definitely Team KG, but I don't remember the question being who has the bigger impact. I remember the question being who is better. Okay. Who had the better, who had the better career, who's going to be remembered as being better. I've tried to block out as much of that conversation <laughs> as possible from my memory, but I do remember that I was on Team KG, and I I think that he probably, in his prime and, and through a lot of his good years, was a better all-around player, and that's that's still what I'm sticking with. But if we're going to better career as well as more impact on the game, I, I don't think there's much of a question that it's Dirk. Ooh, okay. So to the overall question, better player, you're going to say KG, but bigger impact of the game and better career it's Dirk now because I guess longevity plays a lot into it now too right I don't know I mean KG actually played 19 or 20 years too it's just right. he, he tailed off quite a bit towards the end but I, I think the impact of the game is I don't know there's no question it's Dirk just look around the league now and, and all the stretch fives running around and that's what NBA teams want and that's what Dirk was 15 years ago 20 years ago okay but part of that is the state of the game right the state of the game is much more perimeter oriented now but at the same time so today's day and age i think dirk would kill it right but what about kg in today's game like which would you rather have today in their prime oh that's an interesting question well i i mean my reasoning for it was not necessarily who's better today it was like whose game affected today and i think dirk 
the reason why you see a lot of the way the game is today is is partially because of Dirk. It's not like he was ahead of his time and just couldn't fit in with where he was in the league. It's um, He helped change the league. But if you're asking today who would be better, I think it still might be KG if it was in his prime, right? Because he would stretch out and be able to hit the corner threes, and then his defense would still be game-changing. I, I'm, I think I'm in the same boat. I, I still stick with Team KG overall for the main question, but there's something to be said about the longevity aspect of Dirk's career, even though he's... He's not playing every day anymore, or I don't think he's playing every day anymore. He might be, but he's he's been with the team for through thick and thin. He's as loyal as they come. So, props for that. Did Albie hang up on us yet, or, or what? <laughs> no, no I, I was listening. I mean, when it comes to the peak, I, it's hard to really. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to grade players. Uh, the more the older I get, the more you know. I, I stop comparing players, but. I mean, KG at his peak was definitely more versatile, better all around. He was an elite defender, whereas Dirk was just, uh, you know, serviceable at best. But I think with, you know, no contact now and uh, getting through the free throw line and all that kind of stuff, I think Dirk offensively is just miles ahead of KG. KG obviously is a better rebounder as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard. It's like apples and oranges. Okay. Progress, progress, progress on all sides. Good job, guys. Okay, uh, so Dirk, I think, is pretty clearly number one. Well, Timmy, what about you for uh, there's, Steven's there's question? No, no question. No contest. The answer is Luka Doncic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I right, thought right. we'd wait a little later in the podcast yeah. for the first question uh, yeah, of Luka. I think but. it's pretty easily Dirk for a European player. Okay. Uh, what about the rest of the Mount Rushmore for Europe? Oh, and this is European-born players that did not play college here? Is that what it, probably the question is? Yes. And we're just sticking with European, not, not full international? Let's just do Europe first, and then, and then we'll mention some international. Uh, I got to think about it. I mean, I probably, I, I guess Petrovic is going to be on there, right? Uh, Sabonis, I guess, needs to be there. Would, would one or both of the Gasol brothers be on the list? It has to be Pal. Yeah, so on the list that I'm looking at, that I I did a little research, try to look for some rankings. This list has Pow at number three. Tony Parker is at number five. Drazen's at number four. You guys have not mentioned number two yet. He's currently playing. This is a really boring podcast. If this is, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, number two on the list is Giannis. All oh, right. number two. That's a joke. He's already at number two. Jeez. He's number two ahead of Powell. Uh, who, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a millennial article, huh? The guy's hey. like 23 years old. Our, uh, Sabonis, is, years. Yeah, Sabonis is number seven. Kukoc is number eight. Peja is number six. Ooh, nice one. Yeah, and then Nikola Jokic, he rounds out the top ten. Yikes, he's been in the league for four years. Okay. Yeah, so so the Europe list is actually pretty weak because when I first thought of this question, I was thinking, I guess, more international, and I was like, where the heck is Manu? Where the heck are all these other people? But yeah, if we're talking about Europe, what would it be? I guess Dirk and Drazen, I think, are on there. Who who make up the other two? I think I would say Powell and Tony Parker. What yeah, about I, you, Albert? I agree with that. I wish we saw Sabonis in his prime, obviously. I think he would definitely make that if, if he spent more time in the NBA. I'm glad neither of you mentioned Jokic or Giannis. 
Uh, thank goodness. You you know I'm a conspiracy theorist, so you know there's hundreds and thousands of articles and stories written about Sabonis and how you know back in the '80s he was a seven foot Larry Bird. He could do anything. He'd dominate. But <laughs> you but, don't believe it. In my opinion, I just think the pass is romanticized. If he was if he was that good, then why didn't he go to the NBA? And then if you're talking about like the competition he played against, you know, there's no way the European leagues back then are as good as as the leagues now. And then the gap between, you know, the competition he played back then versus like the competition Michael Jordan played in the NBA is completely different. So, I mean, yeah, he probably I'm not saying he's bad by any means, right? Cuz by the time we saw him in the NBA, in, in the NBA, he was already past his prime, but he he was still you know, like a legit NBA star. He wasn't a all-star, but maybe he would have been if he was 25 and, and healthy. But really, that's speculation. No, that's fair. Sounding like that law school is coming in handy. Okay, so it sounds like our Mount Rushmore for Europe would consist of Dirk, Powell, Drazen, and Tony Parker. What about, uh, what about non-European, non-U.S.? So the rest of international. I mean, it has so to be Hakeem. Hakeem, Manu. Is, does Tim Duncan count? No. Oh, Virgin uh, Islands? No, that's U.S. That's territory, man. U.S. Virgin Islands, man. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's just Hakeem and then everybody else. Whereas with the European... Well, I'm, Arch- just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out what the, who the Mount Rushmore is. Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot. There's the, you know, the Kembe's up there. Oh. Ewing? Embiid. Embiid, there's there's a lot if we're talking about just international. Steve Nash, oh, Boris Diaw, count that. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's do overall international Mount Rushmore. Hakeem, Dirk, Manu, and Powell, right? Hakeem, one, Dirk, Manu, Powell, Manu, Manu. See, I I love Manu. I love Manu, but it's hard to argue for him. Huh? Compared to those other guys, if Manu. Had a, a already a Hall of Fame NBA career, but then if he had his international career in European league, he's he's definitely in the Mount Rushmore. Wait, so you you don't have Mock, you, you put Manu below who Powell and Petrovic. I'm not convinced that your first statement about Manu having a for sure Hall of Fame NBA career, and I, I love Manu, but I don't know if his NBA career alone gets him there. It's five championships. Five championships as the second or third best player. On True, all teams. but but no finals MVPs, no MVPs, barely any All Stars. I would say. I think he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I don't think there's much of right. a question. No, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but not primarily because of his NBA. Uh, I still think the five championships is really all. I don't know. That's that's plenty if if you're the, you know, one of the the main reasons for all all five of them. Yeah, if if you're a if you're a star on a five-time championship winning team, you're pretty much guaranteed. But if you're looking at individual accolades, he made the All-Star game in 05 and 2011. He was all NBA in 07, 08, 2010, 2011. Second team? Third both both of them third team. Third team, yeah. Uh, all rookie second team. Uh he was sixth man of the year in 08. Yeah, one time, right? Only one time? That's that's the most unbelievable stat on there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I love him, but because he was loyal to 
the Spurs and bought into that system. And and I mean, yeah. if he goes anywhere else, he's the star, right? He's the guy. His his stats skyrocket. Hey, well, I mean, so we you know what? According to Basketball Reference, and this is just NBA, right? Mock, you're correct. He has a twenty percent Hall of Fame probability. Yeah, his, his stats aren't there, man. I guess the problem here is that you guys are talking about a, a made-up Hall of Fame that does not exist, and the qualifications for the <laughs> Hall of Fame hub. are are completely yeah, I don't know, up, like they don't follow any of this. Ball. They don't follow any of the stuff we're talking about. Like, there's it, yeah, like, just why are we counting all stars, all NBA's? Like, we can count all these things, and we can. There's only a basketball Hall of Fame, like Albie said. It's there's no way to, to differentiate the two, and it's a hundred percent chance. There's right, there is hundred percent chance he's in. Hall of Fame. Hey, Timmy. Saying. Hey, Timmy, he's actually only a four-time NBA champ. He didn't win that first one with them. Oh, you're right. He didn't start till 01, Steven Jackson. Oh, man, everything changed. I don't know. <laughs> Derek okay. Anderson, man. Derek Anderson. Derek, yeah. Okay, so Hakeem and Dirk. Is How? Tony Is Tony on there? I mean, I would definitely put Manu over... Nash, right? definitely put Manu over Tony. Oh, Nash. Are we talking about just NBA accolades then? Mock's made up world. <laughs> and it, it has I, mean, I think Hakeem, we have to. Hakeem, oh. Dirk, Nash, Pal. Yeah. Hmm. No other MVPs out there that let me think. Yeah, I guess. Man, Pal. Pal's number four. Is Pal Pow is so is, underrated. Is <laughs> is Pal Parker a debate? Not really. Oh really? Uh, I mean, I think mean, again, if you're, if you're looking at NBA NBA accolades, look at all the All Stars that Powell has and all the other awards, right? Powell's stats are better. Does Powell has a lot of All Star appearances? I didn't know that. I would think so compared more to Parker. than more than Parker for sure. I'm pretty sure. Oh, six for Powell. That's a lot. That is a lot. I'm gonna say like two for Tony. Is Powell still in the league? Does he play for the Spurs? He's still on the Spurs, yeah. Hey, is this an NBA podcast or a pocket change, guys? <laughs> oh, it's, it's tied, guys. Six to six All Stars. Wow, Tony has Tony six. Parker has six All Stars. Yeah, That's dude. incredible. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right. I guess we got an argument. So thanks for the question. Uh, we had some Dirk love in there, but at the end of the day, our top European player and top international both include Dirk. So he's the answer there. Thanks for the question, Stephen. Second question comes from our friend Justin Kim. He asks, what kind of sports jersey is it absolutely not acceptable to be wearing over the age of 30 and why? <laughs> oh, man. Um, almost every jersey, right? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> you're talking like to someone a... who you're talking to someone who owns probably <laughs> i own probably like seven jerseys four of them are lebrons <laughs> I, yeah i it own feels... about seven as well i i own one what do you own hakeem let me think, let me think. hakeem is it Hakeem? it is hakeem yes so easy you're so yeah. easy Read. Well, I, I had other ones. I don't know if you remember, but I bought a bunch when I uh, when I lived in L.A. I, I bought some like on eBay, some Dream Team, like Charles Barkley and Drexler's. <laughs> and I sold those because because you turned were, 30. They were a poor investment. Uh, no, I think I turned 28 and I was like, I, I can't wear these anymore. 
it's 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 funny because because after thirty, yeah, it it's probably not cool to wear them. But then there's a there comes an age when it becomes cool again. No, no, you're wrong. No, yeah. When if you go to games with your kid, it's cool to you know wear a jersey with I, your I kid. Guess, well, I I guess there's a really specific difference here. We're, we're talking about basketball jerseys a lot. Basketball jerseys. It depends if you're wearing them with or without a shirt underneath. <laughs> yeah, def- that's the, definitely that's shirt. The... Yeah, definitely underneath shirt post thirty. That's well, yeah, uh, that's yeah, we used to we used to wear them without them, right? And <laughs> is that's... that the, is that the cutoff? When <laughs> when is is it specifically thirty that you have to wear a shirt underneath? Mock's probably wearing a jersey without a shirt right now. <laughs> but I mean, I guess if you're if you're cut like the Rock, I can see the Rock wearing jerseys. Well, yeah, I mean, but we're talking about normal people, right? <laughs> and I, I feel like the the answer to the question is very clearly NBA because that's the the jersey that shows the most of your body, you know, compared to others. I, I feel like a baseball jersey is okay to wear now. Yeah, I, I wear baseball jerseys to games and football jerseys to football games. I would say the most okay jersey actually is a hockey jersey. Yes, I mean, isn't that pretty much like a football jersey? I yeah. It's bigger. It's big, way more baggy. Way more so baggy. So basically, the the largest item that covers the <laughs> yes, your yes, exactly. post thirty body. Is that we're talking about. You think that's what he's talking about here? Like skin coverage, or is he talking about you just wearing another guy's jersey on your back? Oh no, uh, I don't care about that. Part. I don't. Yeah, yeah totally I don't. Fine. Yeah, I don't mind that part at all. I could. I could wear. So it's skin coverage. It's just. I don't know. It, it it's has not, this, it's not necessarily skin coverage. It has a it's stigma. Like... It's a stigma because, like, when you're wearing jerseys, it's like, I don't know, there's a stigma that it's for kids. It's for young people. I think a soccer jersey is pretty easy to wear anytime, huh? Oh, that's true. I feel like people actually wear those all the time, like, around the world. Like, adult men, well over 30. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well over yeah, 30. I know. That's, yeah. But I, I if, if, if they made other jerseys, and I think the NBA did this like for one season where they made jerseys with sleeves, so it kind of looked like soccer jerseys. You think that's yeah. why they made it for over there's, 30? There's a reason why they stopped making this. I mean, I guess. Well, one of the reasons is because LeBron said he didn't like it. You remember that a video of LeBron wearing sleeves and then he ripped it off? No, I don't watch LeBron videos <laughs> all the time like you do. So he like he airballed a shot or something, and then oh, on yeah, the way back that. down the court, he like ripped his sleeves. It was hilarious. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the answer here? What kind of sports is or is it acceptable? I say wear whatever you want, man. Wear whatever makes you happy. If you're going it's... to a game, you can wear any any of the jerseys. Yes. Yes. If agree. you're going, if you're going like just to hang out, I don't think. You know, I, I don't want to see Timmy wearing H- Hakeem Olajuwon jersey. Why? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Definitely no. wearing it the next time I see you then. Yeah, no shirt. No shirt underneath. All right? Yeah. Yeah, just the jersey. All right. I guess we're undecided on that one, Justin. Thanks for the question, though. Uh, next question comes from Maxwell Lee. This one is pretty interesting. Your stance on paying NCAA athletes and possible solutions. Oh, that's, that's, a, t- that's that- a heavy... That second, yeah, that second compound was really hard. Wait, right? what was the second part? Possible solutions. Oh yeah, there's no solutions. I th- I feel like everybody's stance is that they should get paid somehow because, you know, they're not benefiting at all from all the money that's being made. Do you feel the same way, Albert? You know, I feel the same way. 
I kind of do. I, I don't think they should be paid like a salary or a contract, mainly, I guess, because I don't see how that would even work. But I do think they should be able to make money off their own names, right? So like the whole, back in the day, the Johnny Menzel situation where countless other college athletes who were, you know, signing things, autographs, and, you know, getting paid a few thousand bucks for it. I think that's fine, but I don't see how the contract thing would work, nor do I think it should. What about endorsements? Yeah, endorsements are fine. Like, that's making money off your own name, off your own, like, image, right? So same thing with, like, jersey sales. Yeah, I was going to say, so jersey sales should count? Yeah, I just don't see how you can offer, like, kind of, quote-unquote, minor league contracts to these kids and have that work. So right now, the line of demarcation for amateur athletes is if you hire an agent, you are no longer an amateur. So you're basically bypassing that, right? You're waiving it. Because if you're doing you know, these huge endorsements with multi-billion dollar companies, you need agents to facilitate that, right? Yeah. Okay, so so definitely waive that rule, which I agree with. I mean, I, I think I would be okay with that. Obviously, so my stance is it should be a free market capitalism. If Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of Clemson, is going to win you the national title at age 18, he's probably going to bring in like, $50 million into your un- university. He's going to touch not even a penny of that. But if you're right, if he can make some money off the jersey sales, if he can make some money off just his branding, his his you know likeness, then I'm okay with that. I guess. So has there been any discussions of or any solutions floated around of giving like a flat stipend to players instead of like contracts for each individual one? So my my whole stance, I mean, I already talked about my stance, but the premise is I just want as much of that money being made to go into the actual individual. So, Timmy, to answer your question, I think a flat stipend would help. It wouldn't help guys like Trevor Lawrence because he's probably going to make millions if we open up endorsements and, and agents and things like that. But let's say, you know, let's just take UT, for example, University of Texas, there's 50 different sports, but everybody knows that football is the number one moneymaker. However, that flat stipend, even if it's like a thousand a month or whatnot, even though it's not going to help Sam Ellinger, it may help out, you know, the women's ping pong team, right? Because they're not going to get paid, but they're using the money that the the university made from football to pay some of these other athletes that don't have the same notoriety. Whereas Sam gets the same, he gets a thousand dollars a month. But he also has the ability to sell jerseys and sign autographs and things like that. So right, so you do both. I, I would do as I yeah, I would do as much as possible to get the money to the kids. Yeah. So then the but then the problem becomes, you know, all a bunch of students trying to become athletes at way smaller sports just so they can get a little piece of money from football. That's, that's a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely a strategy, and I mean that happens in all facets of life, not just amateur sports. Well, the other problem then is like who governs what that what that amount would be because every school makes a different amount of money from their programs, and so the competition. I mean, it's capitalism, like you said. But then you get to a point where you have like the Yankees and the Red Sox, so you can just spend all the money because they're making all the money. And so, right. so then what? Then then your school you're going to have smaller Division One schools that just don't have programs anymore because they can't afford to pay the players. I mean, you guys know how I feel about big markets, anyways. 
I wish it was I, I all about big markets. <laughs> and so, yes, so if, if, if it comes to that, then you're right. Only the Texases, the USC's, the Ohio states will be prominent and they'll be making the most money. But they also will have the most competition for people who want to join those programs. Whereas if you go to a smaller school, I'm not going to call any other schools out, but if you go to a smaller school, it's less competition. They still get the education and they still get a monthly stipend. I think you asked who governs it. I would say yeah. it should be left to the AD of that university. That AD should set a number. Okay, if we're going to make $100 million this fiscal year, 3% would go into stipends of athletes. And I think so, that percentage can be you know, decided by ADs from university to university. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like we're going to get to a point where there's only 20 schools that actually have football programs and then a certain <laughs> number that have basketball programs. I don't know. Like, why would the NCAA do this? Because NCAA is a coalition oh, of all the schools, right? Yeah, they're never going to do it because they want to keep I, the money themselves. Well, yeah. So, like, we're not finding solutions here. You're just coming up with... You're saying what what you think would work, but like, or what would be fair, but it doesn't. There's no way anything like that could ever work. It has to be something that can work for the majority, right? Like, that that's why like the stars in in professional leagues don't get paid um, inordinate amounts of money because there's a cap, so that the rest of the players get some of the funds. Same yeah, thing so, here, right? So you you're right. You may have to insti- institute something something similar to a cap, but to me, it is fair because if that university. You know, if there's only 10 great college basketball teams, then they're the ones that are making the most money. So they are the ones that should be, be paid the most. So I think it's it's capitalism. And I think to me that is fair. Ooh, I guess at the end of the day, NCAA is one of the worst organizations in the world. And unfortunately, nothing is likely to change anytime soon. And you're right, they probably do want to just keep all the money. So yeah. I mean, we, we all have the same idea, right? We want these athletes who are putting their health, their future, and everything on the line to get properly compensated. But the issue is there's no real solution. It's just, it's too hard. I, don't, I can't even think of anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the question, Maxwell. I think we have time for maybe one more question. Let's go with one of Shelby's questions. Shelby bombarded us with all these questions during our last giveaway. Yeah, before we get to Shelby's uh, questions, and he he was the winner of the AirPods, let's let's shout out Farmer's Insurance. All right, let's do it. All right, so, you know, Derek is eagerly awaiting your call for a free consultation. He does home, life, and auto insurance quote today. Just a personal story. I'm actually getting set up with life insurance with Farmer's uh, oh, as we speak. So nice. I think uh, in a couple of days, I'm going to do like a, a medical exam. They're going to, you know, test my blood and all that kind of stuff and urine testing and then see where my health is and see where I am on the risk scale and then give me a rate. Been a good process so far. Derek did everything for me. He facilitated a conversation. He got the paperwork started. Um, all I did was I sent him a text at 214-729-6462. That's 214-729-6462. Of course, if you mention Six Pennies Podcast, he'll give you a discount as well. Nice. Man, that's that's two out of three of us who have uh, gone to Disha. Mark, you're next. I'm, I am next. I do need to look into the life insurance thing. That's, that's You don't have call. life insurance? I, I do, but not through, not through farmers. Outside of work, yeah. yeah uh, not through farmers. Got so, it. Sorry, Disha. I'll, I'll call you soon. 
going back to Shelby's question, he said thoughts on religion and sports. Okay, so we're going to end with this one. It says, why does following a religion and putting it on display affect how others view the way you play a sport? Initial thoughts for this. Like, who comes to mind? Tim Tebow. Is that number one? One and only? AC Green. Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin. Well, I don't really think Jeremy Lin is much about his religion. I feel like people don't think as much about his religion as they do his skin color. It's true. What about Steph Curry? Uh, a little bit. Another that's guy that comes to mind is Hakeem. Yeah, that's a tough question. I think what it comes down to is our society, especially in the you know social media age, is just very, very judgmental, for better or for worse. But you know, most of the time, if a certain player that you cheer for, or maybe you don't cheer for him, is with or against your religion, it kind of dictates how you feel about him and. I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, but it is what it is. I just think that now people are quick to judge. Yeah. It's hard, right, to separate. I think all workplaces are like, hey, you need to keep out religion and politics. But it's hard to separate separate those things out because, you know, it it's a part of each one of our lives. You know, it's our being. And so if that's being, you know, forced upon you while you're watching TV and watching sports with a bunch of friends, I think people get uncomfortable, and then they that's when they have their initial judgments. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the rarity of it is is what affects how we how we view the athletes, just because there's so few of them that actually are you know are standing up for what they believe. That's that's probably why we view them in a different light. But yeah, I agree with what Albie said. But yeah, going back to Tim Tebow, it is interesting question because Tebow is was one of and maybe remains one of the most polarizing people in sports and a lot of that is because of you know t-bowing when they when he was praying before games and during games and i mean obviously i'm i'm biased just because i'm coming from it from my own standpoint where you know i'm a christian and i hold these guys who make their religions known to kind of a higher standard in my mind because in a way i feel like they represent me you know so in a lot of ways, I mean, that, that goes back to kind of why Steph Curry, like, annoys me so much because, I don't know, I, I don't want to, I feel like in a way he's representing me because he, he has been outspoken about his faith in the past. But yeah, like, Tebow, back in the day, like, what did you think about him when Tebow mania was happening? I'm actually one of the few cases where I can separate athletes with their personal lives. So okay. Tebow, Tebow, to me, his or the religion aspect of Tebow... Uh, was never really affecting me like I, I I it's not that I didn't care but I just didn't like it, it didn't even cross my mind so Tebow being a polarizing figure was more of his you know athletic abilities um, and the hype that he got around it so it's it's hard for me to answer if if I hate because I wasn't a Tebow guy but it, it definitely wasn't because you know he was so forward with his uh, right beliefs it it was just he got so much hype for little substance okay no that's fair what about you what what did you think of tebow and and jeremy lynn coming from i guess a christian standpoint like i i respect the crap out of both of them uh just because i feel like they talk the talk and they can walk the walk tebow i i think you're right a lot of people hate him or he's polarizing because of many factors, you know, not only is he outspoken yeah. about religion, but but also, you know, he's he was a first round pick when maybe he shouldn't have been. He 
starter and and he's still in the spotlight now in the minor leagues in baseball system and you're right a lot of it has to do with today's day and age with social media and personally i think social media has forced us to not be as transparent as we used to be and not not be as not be as real i guess so all people want to see now is just like you know wins and all the good stuff so anytime any one thing happens any loss any faltering like it's just a ton of memes a ton of just trolling all over the place and yeah um and and when you put yourself out there like make yourself vulnerable kind of like tebow did from a religion standpoint i think you're you're kind of putting a target on your back so anytime you do end up failing like that's just another thing for people to maybe ridicule you over yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I, I have run across fans who are, you know, not religious themselves, and they absolutely hate athletes who who put that in their face. You know, again, I don't know if that's good or bad, but there's definitely multiple sides to this. And I don't let things that I can't really control affect me like that. Let's say if person A is really uncomfortable or offended because Tim Tebow is, you know, praying on TV... I, I I don't really let that fan affect me. Like that's yeah. that's his own belief. That's who he is. And so I just I'm just watching the game, basically tunnel vision. You know. So yeah. I can see how uh, for others it may affect pe- affect them or affect how you feel about your friends and how you feel about that certain athlete. But um, I've always been able to separate the two. Yeah. Everyone definitely has their different viewpoints. It's just it is interesting though how polarizing it can be especially with those kind of top-tier athletes. No, Before but- you end the podcast, I do want to give a quick update on our um, on our meal bet. Which one? The Rockets lost. Okay. The- Did you see that? I saw we lost in overtime, yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, Harden almost dropped 60 points, but they lost. So they're only a game and a half ahead of the LeBron-less Lakers. I need LeBron to get back so bad. I think the Lakers have gone like three and seven or something in the last ten, and the Rockets have been on fire. So it's been really frustrating for me. Yeah, Lakers are playing the Rockets on Friday, but I don't, think, I don't think LeBron's gonna be back by then. Oh yeah, he's not on this road trip. Yeah, it's all right. Still a lot of basketball left to play. I'm glad it's close. I hope it goes down to the very end, so it keeps things exciting. Yeah, true. I know this was a pocket change podcast, but we got four NFL teams playing this weekend. One of them is the Saints. Where can you watch Saints games at? Oh, wow. What a perfect segue to Tasty Tales Richardson. Owner there, Michelle V, one of our best sponsors. Uh, She is the friendliest. She is super nice. And then her restaurant's awesome. Tasty Tales there in Richardson. She wanted us to mention that they are open for lunch. They've been open for lunch now for a few months. Uh, nice. But people, yeah, but people, um, you know, we're just trying to get that news out there. So come for lunch. I think it's from 11 to 3. There's lunch specials every day, po'boy specials. I think they have live lobster there. Um, a couple months ago when you came up for my baby shower, you went to Tasty Tales, right? Yeah, I had the stuffed po'boy with oysters. Is is awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, I think I'm actually going to go to Tasty Tales next week for lunch, so... I hope you guys. I hope to see you guys there. Guess who was there last night? Actually, who? Throw up the ex Des Bryant, New Orleans Saints. Des, um, wow. They're repping the Saints and the Houdat sauce and all that stuff. So, 
maybe if you go to Tasty Tales, you'll see Des Bryant or maybe some other athletes here locally. Perfect, perfect. Yes, thank you, Tasty Tales, for the sponsorship. We appreciate it as always. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this pocket change. We haven't done it in a while, but we covered four pretty good questions today. Uh, so thanks for the questions, and thanks for tuning in. If you get a chance, please like us on Facebook and follow us on iTunes. Later, guys. Let's go, Chiefs. <laughs>